You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. You guys are lively, lively, lively. It's awesome, man. Like, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. I'm Pastor Matt. If I haven't got to meet you, I'd love to meet you after the service in the commons, or if you're online, drop us a comment, and I won't show up at your house, but we will we'll send you a comment back. How about that? I'll give you a like. But I'm um, glad you're here. Welcome back to this series, What's the Point? And uh, I, I love this series. This has been a challenging series, y'all. I was telling Heather the other day that uh, each week of this series could be its own series. And it's, and, and, and it's so challenging, and I spend a lot of my time trying to go, how do I get this done in, in a time frame so we're not sitting here for days, uh, and, you know, and, and, and just, you know, just asking God to show me how to, how to come across uh, it, with what he wants us to come away with. And uh, this series is all about reconnecting the why. You know, what's the point? We do these things, and, and there's a lot of things we do in life that we just kind of stop and go, why, why do I do this? And, and honestly, there's a lot of things I've been able to cut out of my life because I didn't have a good excuse for why I did these things, and so I just let them go. But in church, we've got to, we understand our relationship. There's things that we do, and then there's things that we kind of just get in a rhythm and a routine with church and faith and things, and we just kind of start to, start to forget the point. And I think it's important for us always to go back to that point and connecting it. And we're always told what to do, right? But Why? And, and I think a lot of times that, um, you know, church can't be in a place to say, because I said so. You know, we've got to get you back to the truth and the heart and the real foundation of it. And, and this, this weekend, we're going to talk about what's the point of the Bible. I mean, why should we read it? Why should we commit time for it? Why, what, what is, why does this have such a central place to our faith and our relationship? And, you know, we're, we're told to read the Bible. And, and the reality is the majority of Christians in America have never read it cover to cover. I mean, that's, that's, that's really telling, right? I mean, we, it's kind of like, how do, we, how do we profess love for someone we don't entirely know? I mean, when I, the, the first time I saw Heather, I knew. I mean, it was like angels singing, the ha ah, going on. I mean, I don't know. And I didn't have tinnitus back then, so it wasn't that. But it, it, I knew. Like, I looked at my best friend and said, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And it took her a little while to get on board with my plan, but, you know, persistence paid off. But I wanted to know everything about her. And, you know, so I just can't say, you know, I have this relationship with this girl. I mean, that's, that's really weird, guys, if you're like, if that's how you, <laughs> I'm going to marry her. But then you do nothing to pursue it, right? We talk about this relationship with Jesus, and, and we've, got, we've got to pursue it. And these, these things that we're working through in this series help us to pursue it and help us stay grounded in that. Um, because if we're, if we're not getting in the word, we're missing the point. And, and then they get into all kinds of things. And I just want to, I want to lay some foundation uh, with this is that, you know, the Bible um, is the word of God. And how did we get it? I kind of want to kind of work us through some things on some, some mechanics, and then I want to get in uh, to the teaching a little bit. But how did we get the Bible? Um, the Bible was, was written by 40 authors, three continents, and over 1,500 years, yet tells one comprehensive story. 
I mean, it's truly amazing. In the Old Testament, the authors were directly called by God to write. And in the New Testament, you have the apostles that would write. You have eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. Those were authors. And then or close associates of an apostle. So it was a close associate of someone who experienced and witnessed the resurrected Jesus. And so there's, you've got all this going on over 1,500 years, and it, it, it toes this line. And then how did they know what to write? You know, that's, that's one of the things. Because, I mean, I sit down and I write a lot. But how do you know? How do you know what to write? And, we, you know, we'll look at, we'll look at Bible in, in, in really as a, we'll kind of put it up next to culture and go, well, how do you know that that's going to stand the test of time? How do you know? And, and, and this is the, the Spirit of God spoke through him. This is what we call inspiration, that the Spirit of God gave inspiration. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you what Peter wrote. And Peter was, has, has a, great, uh, a great comment about what the Scripture is in, in 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, but he says this, Second um, Peter two, Second Peter one, uh, verse twenty says, "Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation." Okay, so foundationally, knowing this, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. <clears throat> For prophecy was never produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's the inspiration of God. It's, it's, it's ultimately God is using man's hand to write his word. So, you know, to go back and correct it now, you would say 40 authors, you would say one author. The author is God himself, and it is his word, and that's the inspiration. So how do we get the 66 books? Because there's scrolls, and there's, there's all types of things. I mean, I, I, I was coaching a pastor not too long ago, and um, he, he, was, he was telling me that he had some, he had some, some uh, folks in his church uh, that got really upset when he started teaching from an iPad. And, and, and I, I was like, why? And he said, well, I was reading the scriptures from the iPad. And I had people come up and say, you're not reading the real word of God. And it's like, I was like, well, were you reading the Bible? He's like, yes, I'm reading the scripture. He said, he's got cool apps and stuff, and he's way more technical, technically savvy than I am. Um, I'm a cut and paste guy, but he had links where he's teaching. He would just touch a link and boom, the scripture pops up. I'm like, train me, but then I can't figure out how to use it. But he said, these people are like, ah, you're just not reading the word of God. And, and I said, well, well, you know, I, I read this because I, I like to have the word, and I, you know, I hope it encourages you to get in the word, but I said, if you're going to get really legalistic with them, then what you need to do is you need to roll some scrolls out on the stage, and that's what you're going to read from. You know, I'm reading from the scroll of Isaiah today. You know, and even then, look, there's going to be skeptics. There's going to be people, that's not going to satisfy them. You know, and then, and then you, you, you've got people like, I'm a King James only guy. Well, so, well thou art great for you, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> But uh, I, am, I am not a King James guy. I'm sorry. I, I doth not speak that language like that. Um, I need it. I need, I, need, I need it. I need the Bible for dummies, okay? I need it small syllables, short words, and I need it easy to digest. You know, one, one thing we talk about when I'm coaching other teachers who are teaching the word and work this, I tell them this, put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Right, and so I'm, and so we get these different translations, right? And you've got a spectrum of translations where some will go word for word from the from the original Hebrew and Greek, and some will go thought for thought. 
Now, if you want to study, you know, if you want to get word for word, and it's going to be the readability, you're going to suffer a little bit. You get thought for thought, and you're going to get flowing. We'll get flowing English in our culture, but, but we, we, we might miss some interpretation there. So I would recommend this. Read multiple translations. I mean, I, I, I read and I study out of multiple translations. When I do my quiet time, I will read from three or four different translations, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to bargain with God. I was like, so if I'm working four translations and I'm going through the Bible in one year, do I, is that four times this year? And God's like, no, just getting my words on. But, um, but the 66 books that we call the Bible, the canon, canon is the word that we would use. Canon is really just a measuring rod or, or, or a level, right? You know, so think about, you know, if you're building a wall or, you know, and Heather and I, we have this argument when we hang pictures, right? Um, because I'm like, that's level. And she goes, and you're messed up in the head. But for some reason, she can, she can level something without a level, I, just, I don't get it. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, it's a spiritual gift, I guess. But, but she'll hang a picture, and it's perfect. I'm like, nah, come on. And I'll put the level on. There it is. And she she's, Mike, drops the mic and leaves the room, like done. But the, when you think of that level that, that, that the church fathers would go through the text, so they would, have, they would have scrolls, they would have letters, they would have manuscripts, and these would be copied and copied and copied and sent to churches, and they was, would be things used by the early church. I mean, in the first century, when you have the, Jesus on the scene, they're working from the Old Testament, and they would have those scrolls. Jesus would actually go to the temple, and he would say, I'm reading from the scroll of Isaiah. They would unroll the scroll, and he would read it. But uh, so when they started thinking about the New Testament, how do we put that? How do we put that together? What makes it? And they put that level on there. It's consistent doctrine that has no contradiction. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how, how when they, they scrutinized it and scrutinized, and I hear people go, well, that's man scrutinizing it. Listen, I believe that the Holy Spirit inspired man's hand to write the word of God. I also believe the Holy Spirit was involved in those councils, leading those men to scrutinize and study these words to make sure that they are the word of God. Um, and, and so you, if you're going to have faith on one side, why are you not having it on the other? You know, and, and so it's, it's, it's scrutinized for consistent doctrine. Why is the Bible authoritative? Because it has divine authorship. And yet, if you want to go even beyond that, the doctrine that the Bible teaches us, the, the, the salvation of Jesus and the, the, everything God's character has been consistent through multiple millennia. There have been books that come and go. There's, look, you know, the self-help section of the bookstore or, or your Kindle library, look, those are going to cycle, okay? Somebody's going to have a new idea and a new idea and a new idea. But the thing about the Word of God, the Bible is the most popular book in the world still. It is the most printed book in the world still, and it has stood the test of time. But that's the mechanics of it. And you and I, if we're just going to look at the mechanics of the Word of God, then what happens is our faith becomes very mechanical. But we need to understand these things so that when we approach the Word of God, we approach it with, instead of, uh, instead of a mind on mechanics, we approach the Word of God with a heart ready to receive. You know, so can I, can I just pray for us to have that heart? You know, Father, we just, we come to you and uh, this is your Word. I believe this is your Word and I, I believe that you desire to speak to us through your Word that you inspired people that you called out to write this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we invite you in to illuminate your inspiration into our hearts 
so that we come to you fully prepared to hear from you and receive from you. We're ready in Jesus' name, amen. So let's look into the word. Uh, second, second Timothy chapter three is where, we're, where I wanna look at. Uh, this is, a, this is a, a book, this is a letter um, it's in, in the canon that was written by a man named Paul. Paul had an amazing radical transformation, was, was a, a, a breathing out murderous threats towards the church and towards Christians. Re- Jesus shows up and everything changes. Well, he takes on this a disciple. He takes on a son in the faith is what he calls him. His name is Timothy. And, and he's given Timothy a, a, a charge, and he's kind of going to really unpack some things for Timothy uh, because Timothy is struggling culturally uh, where he's ministering. But he says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So what he's saying is that, look, there's a flow that is not going to always support what you're teaching from the Bible, Timothy, that there's going to be be a a false doctrine, there's going to be another doctrine, there's going to be an idea that's going to always come at it, you know, and when you try to hold the line of truth, there's always going to be a challenge that is is coming at you, and and they're deceived people that are being deceived and then end up deceiving others. He says, but as for you. Okay, all this is stirring on, but as for you, you, Timothy, and I believe this is written to the church, so as for us, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, that's scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So all this is stirring on, but remember, Timothy, you're firmly planted in, in, the, in, the, in the word of God. And they would have been, see, Paul wouldn't say, hey, turn to the New Testament, Timothy, and watch what I'm writing to you. That what, what I love about this is he would, he's referring back to the Old Testament, what we know as the Old Testament, right? That's the text that he was, and he says, you have planted yourself firmly in the word of God and have become wise to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Because people go, well, Jesus is New Testament. No, 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 no. Jesus is all over the word. Jesus is the word. I mean, I heard one, one scholar, I was, I was watching a video, and, and he, he said, I can sum the Bible up in three words. Hey, there was, a, there was a game show called Name That Tune. Remember that? Back in the 80s. It's back, y'all. We were watching. I don't know if it made it through the, through the COVID thing, but, but uh, they were like, I can, they'll give you a clue about the song, and then they'll say, I can name that song in eight notes. And you got Randy Jackson on the piano, and he's like, you can't do that, Nate, dog. No, but... Um, so some of y'all know Randy Jackson. Okay, good. We're catching up. If you don't know Randy Jackson, Google it. Uh, um, anyway, I can name that song in eight notes. And then they start betting it down. I can name that song in five notes, four notes. And then like the ultimate smackdown, I can name that song in one note. And then you're like, oh. But he said, I can sum up the word of God in three words. The entirety of scripture in three words. You ready? Jesus is Lord. And what Paul is saying, Timothy, there's all of this going on, but as for you, you know what you believe, you've been firmly planted in it, and the word of God has made you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He goes on, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And what he's talking about, he now shows us this authority of Scripture, how Scripture guides us and moves us and equips us. And when he says that you may be complete, that's just mature. 
Like, this helps us grow in our faith. It helps us grow up. So we're, we're no longer having to do the, 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 the spiritual milk. We can get into the meat, you know, because, I mean, none of us want to go to a restaurant and, and have the, you know, order a, a ribeye, right? Medium rare, ribeye, mm, mashed potatoes. Come on, somebody. And then they bring you a glass of milk. And you're like, this is not, this is not what I ordered. Well, that's all you can handle. And a lot of us in our faith, we want the depth. We want the, the big things of faith. But God's saying, you got to grow up. You, you can't chew that on your own. You, and you, you've got to get into some help with that. And he's talking about what the Bible does, the scripture does in our life, that, that it brings us into this thing. And then I'm going to keep going into chapter 4. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Now, in order to preach it, you got to know it. And preaching means proclaiming it. So some of you are like, well, I'm not called to preach. Well, maybe not, but every one of us are called to proclaim the word of God. Because you, you go into places that I don't, and I go to places you don't, and we, you know, we come here. This isn't the only place that I preach the word of God. I've got to preach. I've got to proclaim the word of God in my home, in my family. When, when, I'm, when I'm moving through life, I mean, how am I proclaiming these things of God? And he says, be ready in season and out of season. You want to talk about what, so what does that mean? Ask a hunter what that means. If it's not hunting season, they're thinking about hunting season. They're getting ready for hunting season. They are, they are, they are buying new camo. You know, and, and I mean, like Heather makes fun of me because I'm, I'm always planning for hunting season. I'm all, well, this is going to help. Like, well, why did you spend this? This is going to make hunting better. I was having a conversation earlier, and I said, when I hunt, I never factor in the cost per pound for the meat that I end up with because it is way cheaper to go buy it somewhere else. <laughs> but it's all about the experience. But he says, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. That means just, we'll get in that a minute. With complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming, listen to this, when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. What he's saying is that, People will disregard the word of God and they'll turn to myths to satisfy their own passions. Basically what it does is we get in the cycle that all humanity gets into before we come to Christ and, and, and just throw ourselves on the mercy of the cross and what Jesus did at the cross. We try to justify ourselves and we will use any means possible when the word of God is, is rebuking and reproofing and, and bringing correction into our life and we'll do everything we can to justify ourselves and, and so the Bible is vital to the life of a Christ follower to keep us from being deceived by our passions and currents of culture. We, we, we submit into the God who shows us his character through his word that is stood through multiple millennia of different culture. And there's a lot of things that are still, they, the, some of the fights that they were having 1,500 years ago are the, still the same things we have today. Why? Because you got people. And people are a hot mess. I mean, we're, we're broken. We're, we're just, it's just the way, we're, our, it's the way it is, right? And so why, if, if the word of God is God revealing himself to us and it's vital to our life, why commit time to study it? Why commit time to read it? I think Tim, Paul gives Timothy the answer here. He says, look, so you can live rooted in truth. 
You know, so you're not, you're not blown by every doctrine and every, every new thought that comes along and, and every, every way that we try to come up with to justify ourselves because culture is always working in a way to redefine truth or even, even throw truth out, that there is no absolute truth. To live as there's no absolute truth would be like trying to navigate with a compass with no magnet. We just wander around, Right? And if there's, no, if there's nothing that anchors truth for, for our life, then we just, we just wander through life and, and there's nothing. And that's not what God calls us to because you, you, to navigate and to compass, the magnet always points north. The word of God always points to Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's Old Testament or New Testament. The truth is Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus also is the word. John starts out his gospel. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You go down to about verse 14 and it says, and the word made, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That Jesus is the embodiment of the word of God. That's why everything, you know, okay, some of y'all like three words, Jesus is Lord, one word, Jesus. It all, everything in scripture points to Jesus. You know, in Europe, all roads lead to London In the Bible, all verses point to Jesus. And he is the way, the truth, and life. It's what Paul told Timothy. The the sacred writings, the scripture, the word of God has made you wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. There's a truth that is anchoring you and that is faith in Christ. And and if we're going to try to navigate it on our own, we're going to be lost. And we've got to have something to root our life in. Otherwise, we're going to be blown around. I mean, it, we, just, we become what James calls a double-minded man. We just, we'll move over to this idea because this seems to work for a little while. When that doesn't satisfy, we'll move over to this one, and, and this one's not working, and we just spend our life searching for what can I plant my life into? And God is saying, I created you. I fearfully and wonderfully made you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I love you more than you can ever imagine. I gave my son for you so to buy your reconciliation, your redemption. You can find your life in me, rooted in Christ, and Christ is truth. And so if we got this root of truth, you, know, you think about planting a tree, right? That tree's going to need some guidance as it grows, and you've got to have some structure. It's kind of like a vine and a trellis, right? You've got, you got the vine coming up, but then there needs to be some structure. And that structure that the Word of God brings to us is to be instructed in righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. He calls us to holiness, right? In, in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, he says, be holy as I am holy. What I love about that, he, goes, he says, look, as obedient children, do not be conformed by the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, be holy. So what God is doing, he's given his word so we're not ignorant about him. And so when I, when I there, there, are, there are things that I do and I don't do, and, and I can really put them into, into some, some camps. Like when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm disobedient to God, they will fall in two categories, one is defiance, right? I know the truth. I know, I'm rooted in truth. I know the truth. And I'm just choosing to disobey. I'm defying the truth. So I can be in defiance or I can be in ignorance. I don't know the truth. 
I mean, I, I, it, it's been so amazing to see how God works in that. And when there are times that, that, that when I was growing in faith, and there's still so much I don't know, but, but there were mentors and men who were speaking in my life going, look, this is what God is teaching in his word. I'm like, I didn't know that. And he goes, well, that, you were doing that out of ignorance. Well, now you know. So now if you defy it, you're defiance. And what, what God is saying is, I'm giving you structure, you're planted in truth, truth will grow you, and I'm giving you structure to be instructed in righteousness, holiness. And he starts to work in us, because God's going to, he's going to continue to bring that around us, and he says, he says I'm going to give you teaching, reproof, and correction, is what Paul said to Timothy. Let, let, let me illustrate. Teaching would be like instruction, uh, reproof would be like wrong, you're wrong. Um, and then correction takes it back to teaching. Let me illustrate it this way. So instruction would be teaching you that two plus two equals one plus one plus one plus one. Now that's, that's the way I learned it. I know math has changed. I don't, know, I don't understand the new math that the kids are doing. Like these kids these days with these new math, I don't know about that. But I, I, I learned it, two plus two equals four. The way you get to four in the instruction side of it is two plus two equals one plus one plus one plus one. One, two, three, four. Two plus two equals four, right? So then if I were to ask you what's two plus two and you say five, I could go, or it's the big red X, you know, that they put on, you know, I got a lot of those, right? Or, or in college, it's the Scantron. You remember Scantrons? Okay, when those make noise, that's not a good thing. I remember my first college exam, I had a, I had a, a hundred question test and they slid that Scantron through the machine. I heard this, I was like, hmm, what does that mean? Well, that, that noise was everyone marked wrong. And I was like, oh, oh. And so my first college test, I made a whopping 52 because I heard 48 marks from the Scantron machine, you know, and then, but the, all I walked away with was that Scantron, it was marked wrong. So reproof is to say you're wrong. But he also says for correction would be if I ask two plus two and you say five, I go, no, that's not correct. Let's go back to teaching. Two plus two equals one plus one plus one plus one. Two plus two equals four. And that's what the Bible's, I know I broke that down into simple elementary terms, but I told you, cookie's on the bottom shelf, right? But that's, that's how God takes us through training in righteousness and instructing us in righteousness, you know, there are times that my life, when I look at it in, in reflection to the Word of God, see, most of us will, will, will try to read the Word of God and go, well, how does this fit my life today? I mean, some of the stuff that I've been reading, I'm like, okay, that's crazy stuff going on in the Bible, but how do, we ask, how does this fit my life today? Can I ask you to change that approach? How does my life fit into this today? Because what happens is when we approach the word of God of what we can get out of it, we start looking for something that's going to maybe just a little nibble through the day. But when we say, God, I want my life to be found in this, we're approaching instead of trying to take out, we're putting ours in. But when I look at my life, there's times that in the gentle nature of God, he will show me through scripture, hey, you're wrong. But God, that's the, I love God so much because he's not just going to say you're wrong. He takes us back into redemption and how to make it right. And so he uses the word of God to instruct us and train us in righteousness. And the warning that Paul is giving Timothy is, listen, that, that deceived people don't like the reproof and don't like the correction. 
You know, we're, we're called to do it out of love. I mean, I, I had some teachers that weren't real loving with that, that red pen, but um, I got the point, you know, message received, but we're called to do this out of love. But what happens is when, when we don't want correction in our life, we turn because we're trying to justify ourselves. We turn from the truth, from the word of God to find people to tell us we're right. And that's dangerous territory. Because what we're doing is we're now going, there's no instruction for righteousness in my life, and I'm uprooting myself from truth to be planted in what I feel is going to meet my needs today. And we need God's instruction to keep us moving towards righteousness. Honestly, we need God's instruction to keep us moving closer to him. And so God is planting us in truth, rooted in truth, and instructing us in righteousness. And then there's something that that produces. Like, so think about, think about the vine and trellis, right? The vine is planted. It's rooted in the ground. You've got the trellis creating structure for that to grow, and the vine then produces. And that's the word of God says he's equipping us for every good work. His work. Every work. When we start thinking, well, what, but... but and we get real complicated and convoluted of thinking, well, what's the will of God? You know, and if this is training me for God's will, what is God's will? And, and, and there's some things we got to get to to understand that God's will isn't just your job. It's not your career. God's will goes a lot longer than your, your work life. And God says, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you my word to train you in that. I mean, look at, look at Romans chapter 2, Right? When we look at this, that, that um, we're told to, to, to not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So what we've got is we've got a pattern of the world that's moving us into deception. We've got renewing of our mind that's guided by the Holy Spirit to be transformed. And, and so it's, it's, it's where are we submitting ourselves into to be prepared. And then he says, then you can discern what God's will is, his good, pleasing, pleasing and perfect will. We, we, we want to come at it with, without the transformation before we're wanting, God, what do you want me to do? We want God to give us a job description for our life before we accept the offer. And God just said, no, I just want to know if you're on board. And you're going to take that step of faith. And he says, when I'm equipping you for every, every good work, the Holy Spirit's present every time we're in the word. And he teaches, hey, I'm preparing you for something with this. I'm giving you, I'm helping you with this. And look, think about it in context of parenting. I mean, I, I, don't, I can't tell you what book, chapter, and verse to go to on curfews, on when you should let them have tablets, and when you should let them have phones, and when you should let them start dating. And when, when you know, I, there, there's not a chapter and verse for that. Sorry, parents, but here's what the Word of God does He is training us to be the parents that He's called us to be, that His will is for you to be a parent, and He's going to train you to do your will. He's going to do that as an employee. He trains us to be a good employee, to be a good leader, to be a good follower, to be a good neighbor. And on and on and on, God is training us with his character and revealing himself to us so that we operate under his character to the world around us so the work we do is all for his glory. So whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, whatever job you go to this year might not be the same job you go to next year. But whatever you do, he's equipping you to do that for the glory of God. Because God's never going to send us out ill-equipped. Have you ever felt ill-equipped to do something? You ever felt under-trained to do something? Have you ever put Ikea furniture together? <laughs> I mean, I, I, 
I don't, I don't, I don't, you got to have like an engineering degree to understand this. But God never will send us out ill-equipped. There's times he calls us to step out where we might not feel prepared, but he's always going to equip us. And God reveals himself through his word. And more than anything that we get out of God's word, listen, it should be him. And there's power. There's power in this. Let, let me tell you a story about a man. His name's Ted Cooper. Some of you may know him, some of you may not. But Ted Cooper in 1999 was a self-professed agnostic that um, he just, he's, I don't know. I mean, I don't think there is a God. I don't know if there's a God. Just, just it, it was just whatever. But he was an avid reader. And he would read everything he could get his hands on. And one day, he decided to read the most popular book in history, the Bible. So he bought a copy and he looked at how many chapters there were and how many pages there were. And he determined that if I read this many pages a day, then I can have this done in 90 days. So he starts reading. He set himself a reading plan. Halfway through, Ted Cooper gave his life to Christ. He wasn't even finished with the Old Testament. Because what did Paul tell Timothy? The sacred writings make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He finished the second half not as the most popular book in the world, but as his father speaking to him. And he became so passionate about this. So passionate because we would ask Christians, he was, he was on fire, and we'd ask Christians, have you read this? And I'm like, no, I haven't read it all yet. He left his job, a great job in, in, in computer, and he, in 2002, he founded the Bible in 90 Days Institute. Since 2002, he's worked with ministries and publishers and people to experience the Word of God. And since 2002, after founding that ministry, hundreds of thousands of people have given their life to Christ. Because listen to me, these, these aren't just words on a page in some book. This is the living, breathing, active Word of God. That just as when he formed man from the dust and he breathed his spirit into man and you have Adam, you have God breathing life into his word to bring life into us. And when I, when I think about the, the point of the Bible, listen, it's God revealing himself revealing salvation and how to live the life he's calling us through his word to live. And so what's the point of reading and studying the Bible? I can't answer it for you. But for me, it's I want to know God. I want to follow him and I want to live for his glory. And there's so many times I'm like, God, I just need to hear you speak. I'll sit silently and I don't hear you, God. And then I open his word and he never fails to speak when I open his word. And listen, if you're just getting into the word just for some earth shattering revelation, let me challenge you. Just say, I want to hear from you, Father. Speak to me. Your servant is listening. 
Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us through your word, that there's so many times we get frustrated and we take our frustrations out on you because we feel like we don't hear you, but God, it's because we've disconnected ourselves from your voice. And I just pray that you forgive us in that. Give us a hunger and a desire to know you more and to experience you more. And, and just as David said to you, God, may, may we experience your word like honey on our lips. May it be something sweet. Maybe it's something we crave that we long to get so close and closer and closer to you. And I thank you that every time we approach your word, you are there, ready, waiting, willing to speak with us. And I thank you for your word that is truth, that stands above culture, that we have something to be rooted in. And I'm asking you to shape us with your word, to live as righteous people, equipped to reflect your heart to the world. We love you and we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast. Or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at